This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. And I, uh, I hope that you have already been blessed this morning. I, we were doing a few of us do kind of a prayer walk around the building uh, when we get here to set up and uh, or before we start setting up. And I was, as we were praying, I just said, man, this is, this is my favorite time of the week. Like just that, that prayer walk. I just look forward to it. I look forward to what God's going to do and here on Sunday mornings as he comes and just meets with us and, and hangs out with us. And uh, man, I, I, I mean, I know I'm the preacher, so I'm supposed to be, but I'm already blessed this morning, guys. I, I feel God in this place and, and I hope you do. Two, I am excited to begin our new series as we walk through the book of James. If you've come to the River Church for some time, you kind of, for some time, you kind of understand kind of how we kind of our rhythm and, uh, as we preach and teach. And what we do is a lot of times we do kind of a topical series and then we'll do a study of a book and then a topical series, study of a book. And so we just finished talking about Jesus is or Jesus is series. And so now we're going to jump into a study of the book of James. And uh, we did the book of John and it took us about eight months. So hopefully, you know, we won't be in this one for, for that long. But James is, if you've read the book of James, it is a fantastic book. And uh, James is famous for a couple things. One, one thing he's famous for is he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem um, in the early first century. Another thing James is famous for is being, being the brother of Jesus or the half brother of Jesus. How would you like that? Could you imagine what you think that would be like being the half brother of Jesus? You're like, oh, it'd be nice. No, it would be awful because your entire life, all you would be hearing is, why can't you be more like your brother? <laughs> why can't you be, well, mom, because he's God. So there's that, right? That makes it kind of hard. Um, but anyway, so that, those are kind of some of the things that he's famous for. And as we study this book, I hope that this book is one that will challenge you. I hope that it will encourage you. A couple of the main themes that we're going to deal with um, as we walk through the book of James is kind of famous for being the, the faith and works book of the Bible. And so we're going to talk about um, how does, essentially, how does my faith um, uh, inform how I live my life? So as a Christian, how does my faith inform what I do, how I live? And then another big theme that we're going to discuss and talk about it in here as we walk through the book of James is how does, as a Christian, so not only does it inform how I live, but how does my faith uh, affect the city that I live in? So how should my faith as a Christian, how should it change my community? How should it affect my city? How should it affect those people uh, around us? And uh, it, it's such an incredible book, but I got to be honest with you guys as we jump in, it's going to be a book that is going to challenge us a little bit. And it's going to be a book of the Bible that is going to push us a little bit. And so I, I just want to, from the jump, I want to encourage you uh, to let yourself be challenged. To let this book grow your faith, let this book cha- uh, encourage your faith. And because oftentimes, if you're like me, what happens whenever I kind of get pushed on a little bit or um, get some pushback or get challenged a little bit, oftentimes what happens is I, I dip out or I run away or I don't, I don't want that to happen. And so I, I want to encourage you. If you feel God working in your life, you feel Him talking to you, you feel like He's challenging you on some things as we walk through um, this, this, book of the Bible, if it causes you to have some tough conversations with Jesus or yourself, uh, don't be discouraged, actually. As a matter of fact, you should be encouraged if that happens, because what that means is that God is at work in your life and that he is talking to you and he is transforming you, and we should get pumped about that, okay? 
And so with that, we're going to jump in. And, and I am particularly excited about where we are today in light of what we talked about last week. Um, last week, if you were here, we talked about Jesus is with you um, through trials, through tribulations, through suffering. Jesus walks through those things with you. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about what God, what Jesus does in your life when you go through those things. So not only, not only is he with you, walking through it with you, but what is he going to do in you through uh, trials? Does that make sense? All right, so let's jump in. We're going to start James chapter 1, and I'm just going to read uh, 1 through like 2 or something. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the tribe to the twelve tribes in dispersion, greetings. Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. So James doesn't waste any time, does he? James jumps right in. He's like, hey, slave of Jesus, consider it joy when you suffer. Consider it joy when you face difficult things. And, and like, I don't, I don't know about you. Like, if we were to list off things that we celebrate about in our lives, right, it might be like, graduations or babies being born or promotions at work, right? Or the Cowboys winning every once in a while. Like we got to celebrate that when we can, right? Um, but I don't know where exactly on your list of things that you celebrate suffering is. Like, I don't, I don't know the last time I was like, man, I remember that time I was suffering and it was so awesome. Right? Anybody? Anybody that's you? No, not me. Right. Um, I'm sure like that whenever we face various trials, as James puts it, that the very first thing we want to do, our, our auto response is joy, right? Now, as, as, as a matter of fact, some of us may be experiencing tribulations right now, might be going through some difficult times right now. Some of us may be coming out of a difficult time. Some of us, and I pity you the most, some of you might be headed towards a difficult time and you don't even know it's coming. <laughs> but this is one of those really weird uh, verses in the Bible that on its surface, just if we're just honest about it, makes no sense, does it? Consider it joy when you fall into various tribulations or various, right? Consider it joy. Like, I, I think we read this, and sometimes if you're like me, you read this and you go, oh, that's one of those verses that's for the super Christians, right? That's one of those verses that's for the people that are so holy that they just kind of float everywhere. They go, you ever seen somebody like that? Right? Yeah, somebody like, yeah, that's me. Right? I saw you floating by earlier. Right? <laughs> and, and this feels like the Christian answer, right? Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Oh, you go through something difficult, consider it joy for, you know, your suffering is going to produce endurance and maturity. And you're like, okay, maybe that's the Christian answer. But if somebody ever comes up to you and you're going through a difficult time and they're like, consider it joy, is your response, thank you? No, your response is, I want to punch you. Right? Right? And even as we think about Jesus, when we watched him, like last week we talk about, talked about Lazarus, right? And whenever he comes on the scene, he sees his friend Lazarus who had passed away, who had died. He walks in, he sees the suffering, he sees the people mourning and weeping. Jesus doesn't walk up on the scene and go, consider it joy, my brothers, does he? No, what Jesus does is he weeps with them. And so as we look at this text, we got to ask the question, what exactly is going on here, Right? Like, is James just like some sadistic dude, right? That just enjoys pain, you know? What, what, what's going on here? And, and as I'm reading this, y'all are wondering when I'm going to drink this coffee, aren't you? You're like, he picked it up. I'll do it now. Whenever I was studying this book this week and, and, and reading it, I, I was begin to, 
you know, you read it a hundred times as a Christian, but sometimes when you really study it, God reveals some things to you. And as I was studying it, one thing I was beginning to see um, is I think that what James is talking about here as Christians in suffering, in difficult situations, is that as Christians, we should have a different mindset when it comes to going through hard times. That as Christians, we need to shift the way that we see trials, the way we see temptations, um, that, J- that James is changing us to change the way we see suffering. And when he talks about joy, he's not talking about like a kid on Christmas. Like when I think about joy, I think of a kid coming down the stairs, seeing the presents, excited, right? Like feeling that emotion, right? But James isn't talking about an emotional joy for Christians, right? The, the word that he's talking about here when he talks about experience, you know, great joy, um, is, is a word that is used to, des- to describe some something pure, something complete, something that is a total encompassing of who we are. It's not an emotion. It's, it's, it's like a person in, in a weird way. Like it's the same word that Paul uses in first or in Colossians uh, 1, 9 through 11, when he says, I'm praying that you Christians would be filled with all wisdom and strengthened with all power from God. The thought is that it's something that encompasses us. It's something that is deep inside us. It's not an emotional state of mind. It's not the kid at Christmas, but it is a deep consuming piece, a deep consuming part of who we are. And so it's not joy like riding on a ride at Six Flags, but it's something that as Christians is deep in our hearts and encompassing joy, knowing that, trusting that God is at work in your life, trusting him to bring you through it, knowing that he is in control. And so for Christians, this is a challenge when we walk through difficult situations to have a mind shift. And this mind shift is so important, especially as James is writing this to the early believers in the church, because the Jewish people in the first century, they believed that if you faced suffering or they believed that if you faced, um, some, if something bad happened in your life, it was because God was punishing you. And so they believe that you sinned, you messed up, and so God was punishing you. That's why in John chapter 9, when they see the disciples are walking with Jesus and they see the blind men, they ask him this question, Jesus, was it his father's or was it his parents' sin? Is that the reason he's blind or is he blind because of his own sin? And Jesus says, well, neither. Actually, it's to glorify God our Father in heaven. And so their thought was, okay, so if someone's suffering, it must be because God is punishing them. And we still sometimes hold that same mindset ourselves, don't we? We go through something difficult and we're going, what did I do? Why is God mad at me? What's going on, right? And what James is trying to point out to us is this difficult times is something that you all will experience. And as Christians, when you experience it, you need to pay attention to your state of mind going into it. And the reason why this is important is because for some of us, when we face difficult circumstances, we're already defeated out of the gate. And the reason I say that is because some of our mindset is we face difficult circumstances in our lives. We come out with a negative mindset. We come out with a defeated mindset. We come out with a mindset that pities ourselves. Oh, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? Right. And I think that it's so important. I want you to hear this. I think it's so important because the way that we face trials in our lives, the mentality that we face trials with in our lives says something about the confidence that we have in God to work in our lives. Does that make sense? And so if you walk into a difficult season with a mindset of despair or a mindset of pity, it says a lot about, it speaks a lot to your trust in God. 
And so why joy though, right? Like if he's talking about this mind shift, why does he say, why is James saying that this is a good thing that we walk through these difficult seasons? Like how does God turn it, right? It's not something that God makes happen to you, but it's something that God can transform and use for your own good. Well, let's, let's check out. Let's continue. I'm going to start from verse two again. He says, consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Extreme situations or extreme experiences in our lives sometimes force us to change, don't they? Like, have you ever been in an experience or had an experience or had a situation in your life happen, or maybe you're put in a position at work where that pushes you outside of your comfort zone where you got to do things that you really don't want to do, that you're not used to doing, that you're, you're like, man, I don't even know if I can handle this. And when you do it, you experience it, you do things that you never thought you could do. You ever had something like that happen to you? Like, I remember uh, growing up, I went to this Christian church camp. Hopefully it was a Christian church camp. But anyways, I went to the, this church camp and uh, they had this, this thing there called the trust fall. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever done the trust fall? Yeah. So they had this trust fall. And like looking back on it, I'm like, this thing is kind of, talking about sadistic. This thing is a little sadistic. This thing is a little messed up. Because what it is, if you're not familiar with the trust fall, it's, it's this platform that's built up really high. And then you take a bunch of people and they lock hands underneath the platform. And you get people to go up on the platform and turn around backwards like this and just fall. Right? Could I get a couple people real quick? Let me demonstrate. Right? I should have done that. That would have been great. And like, y'all don't even know what's happening. I'm like, trust fall. And they just come and catch me. I'm like, man, this is crazy. This church is weird. Um, <laughs> but so they have this, this trust fall. And I, I remember looking back on it. And, and at the time, I'm like, this thing is cool. But looking back on it, I'm like, that thing was messed up. Because what you would happen is you'd have people that were like, like terrified, right? Like there'd be people like crying and they're having to get up and they're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And the crowd's going, do it, do it, do it. You know, like it's peer pressure and like you're forcing people to like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a little twisted. <laughs> but what would be amazing is those people, they climb up and they would just be crying. Like, I don't want to do it. We're, do it, do it, do it. And they would fall and they would, we would catch them. And as twisted and jacked up and just weird as this thing was, after those people did it, they had like a special air about them. Like they had this feeling of like, I just did something that I never knew I had the capability to do. You know what I'm talking about? Extreme circumstances or difficult circumstances in our lives can produce something in us that we didn't know we had in us. You hear about it all the time with like amazing survival stories. There's this guy named Aaron Ralston. Maybe you've heard his story. He was climbing up the Blue John uh, Canyon in Utah by himself. And like he's climbing down this canyon. As he's shimmying down, this boulder falls on his arm. And so he's stuck there. He's trapped. He can't do anything for three days. He had like a little bit of food, a little bit of water. He's trapped for three days. And after three days, he's going, I'm not getting out of this. There's something I got to do, right? And so he's sitting there and he realizes that the only way he's going to escape you guys already know, don't you? He's going to have to cut off his arm. We have a video of it. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> and so after about three days, he decides he's got to amputate his arm. And so it takes him, takes him a couple days to do it, right? He amputates that arm. And after he successfully does it, he climbs down the rest of that 65-foot wall with one hand, eventually gets discovered by this family who is camping. Could you imagine that side? Like, you're just camping like, help me. You know, you're like, oh, my goodness, you know. Oh, man. 
And after another six hours, he's rescued by authorities found just in time. He was on the brink of death. But what's amazing about that story is that Joker still goes climbing, still goes camping today. He travels the world telling a story. And there's a movie written about it called 127 Hours. It's incredible, right? Like I bet if you had asked him before he went on that trip, you think you could ever cut your arm off? You think he would have been like, yeah, no problem, right? My point is, I hope you never experience something like that, you know, <laughs> or even a trust fall. I hope nobody makes you do that, you know. <laughs> but when we face difficult seasons in our lives, when we face temptations and trials in our lives, I, w- I want you to catch this, is that we have a choice to make when that thing hits. You have a choice to make. You can either let that thing change you. You can let that thing grow you. You can let that thing bring you closer to Jesus with James is saying, this is the, some of the purpose of these things in our life. You can let that thing grow you closer to Jesus and increase your reliance on God. Or you can let that thing defeat you. You can let that thing break you down. You can let that thing change you for the worse. And I I would tell you today that it starts with your state of mind and how you see that trial. How you see that trial. And it doesn't just stop with your state of mind. It also continues with the story that you tell about that thing. Because oftentimes we see it, the story we tell it is, oh, poor me. Oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? But if the story we tell is, what is God going to do out of this? What is God going to change me through this? How is God going to transform my life? How is God going to make me stronger? If that's the story we tell, it changes everything. James says when our faith is tested, the end result, earlier when we read that scripture, says the end result will be endurance and maturity. And I love that word that he uses for endurance. It means this active steadfastness, this staying power that is created in us is this determination in adversity that God builds up and creates in you. It's this thing that you didn't even know you had, this determination under adversity that God builds up and you to continue to keep going, to keep fighting. We, do we have any runners in the house today? Anybody like to run? Yeah, y'all are nervous because last time I asked if anybody likes to work out, I made fun of the people that worked out. So you're like, I'm, already, I'm never, never talking to you. <laughs> well, the other day I was uh, working out with this uh, this guy and he challenged me. He said, I, I want to see if you can run as a little over half a mile in under three minutes. And so I, I've joked about this before. I hate running. Like the only reason I run fast is to get it over with as soon as I can. Like, you know, they talk about the runner's high. Like I, I don't experience runner's high. I just experience this guy. I want to die. You know what I'm saying? Like this runner want to die, not runner's high. And uh, but anyway, so he challenged me to do it. And uh and by the way, we'd already been working out for about 45 minutes. So I was like beat. But so he challenged me. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. So I, I take off and I'm running. And as I'm running, he's counting off, you know, one minute, two minutes. And I'm, I'm like sprinting. I mean, I got, you know, I'm a short guy. I don't have that long of a stride. I'm sprinting. I'm like dying. My lungs are like about to collapse. You know, I'm like, cause I don't, I don't run. I hate running. And so I'm, I'm getting it. And I get about 50 yards away from him and he goes five seconds. And in those five seconds, he was so far away. I remember making the, the choice in my head. I was like, I can either just quit and just ease up because there's no way I'm getting there in five seconds. Or I can just haul butt and throw up on him when I get there. Right? Like, I can at least make him suffer a little bit. You know, you made me do this, you know. And so I, I, you know, I really, there's, this story doesn't have a point in the sermon. I just want to tell you all about it. You know, it was like, there's no point. Um, but so I just hauled butt and I took off and I ran, 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 ran and got there. And by the way, he was lying to me, which is kind of twisted. I made it in two minutes and 40 seconds. So I was like, it was just kind of jacked up, right? He's like five seconds. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> but the point of that, that is oftentimes when we walk through adversity, we walk through those times there's things that, I don't know I keep saying this, but there's things in you that you don't even know that you have. 
that God pulls out of you when you walk through those times. If you would just let him do it, you know what I'm saying? If you would just let him do it. And that word that, that James uses there, that, that, that endurance, that determination under adversity, it's a beautiful word. It, it's hard to describe it so as really well, but it means it's like this, this determination in adversity that is covered with hope. That's pretty cool, isn't it? This determination under adversity that is covered with hope. And that hope comes from the knowledge that we can keep fighting. We can keep going. We can keep working because the hope that we have is not in ourselves. The hope that we have is in our God and his ability to bring us through it. You see what I'm saying? And it's the same word that James says God produces in you that God used to describe Noah in uh, Genesis chapter six, verse nine, where it says that he was searching the earth, trying to find someone who was good and he couldn't find anyone. It says he met, he found Noah and it says Noah was a righteous man, a blameless man. It's the same word that God used to describe Noah right there. And he says that about you. He says, when you face trials, when you face adversity, God can make you like that. That's what it produces in you. That's something to rejoice about, even as we're walking through it. It's a crazy connection, right? But God is saying that through trials, through temptations, God can use those things in your life to transform you and to make you that same type of person that he saw in Noah. God uses difficult seasons to transform our character. And he says that endurance, that steadfastness that he creates in you will mature you and make you complete. And that maturity in faith isn't something that's unachievable. It's not something that you're going, how can I, how can I ever get there? It is a fully developed character, a person of integrity created and molded through adversity. And we probably, if we're honest with ourselves, we probably all have stories in our lives where we've gone through a difficult season or a difficult time. And and as we're walking through it, um, what was produced on the other side as we got out on the other side, we look back and we, we are amazed, right? You're amazed that you're able to come through it. You're able, you're amazed that you're able to, to be changed, right? But the end result was God changing you and transforming you. You look back and as you look back at it introspectively in a way, you're almost thankful and grateful for it, right? We have to change the, change how we tell the story when we walk through adversity. This isn't something that you're getting beat up with. This isn't something that that is unfair to you. This is something that God is going to use to transform you, to grow endurance in you, to grow maturity in you, to strengthen you and to build you up. You hear what I'm saying, River Church? And I know they're like, oh, that's easy for you to say, stand up on that platform. It is. But it doesn't make it any less true. And finally, what I would say is, at the end of the day, James is going to say, not only are those two things important, but how you attack adversity in your life matters as well. Like the first two deal with your mind. This last one's going to deal with your actions. And this is important because I say this hesitantly, but just because you go through something difficult doesn't mean it will change you for the better, right? Because we can, I believe, we can keep God from being able to use things to better our lives and better our relationship with him based on how we handle that situation. Like that, you would probably admit, or at least I would, uh, because I know it's true about myself, is there's been times and there's been situations I've walked through and I've gone, man, I wish I had handled that better. Man, I wish I had done that differently. Man, I wish that whatever, right? 
And, and the truth is, is that nothing is wasted because God can, even me looking back and saying, I wish I had done that differently means God has changed the way I saw that circumstance. So maybe when I face it the next time, I will do it differently. So even in that, God is changing you and God is transforming you and God is, is molding you, uh, molding your life. But I believe that if we walk through it with this mindset that he's talking about and attack it in this way, God can bring those things out and use them to their full potential in your life. And let me just say this. If you got to go through it, you might as well let God use it. Am I right? Why waste it? Right. So let's read this, this last part. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like a surging sea driven and tossed by the wind, and that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all of his ways. I love how James says this. What James just says is if, if when we face trials, when we face these difficult situations, we should, our, our default should be to go to God in wisdom. If you don't feel like you have wisdom, and I don't really feel like I have wisdom a lot of times, he says, go to God in wisdom. And here's what he says he will do. It says he will give it to you. Thank you, Jesus. He will give it to you generously. So he doesn't just say he's going to give it to you. He said he will give you wisdom generously. And then my favorite part, he says he will give it to you without criticizing. That may seem like a weird add-in, right? He's going to give you wisdom. He'll give it to you generously. He's going to give it to you without criticizing. What does that mean? It means he's going to give it to you regardless of your past record. Thank you, Jesus. Am I right? It means even if you didn't deal with it the best way last time, even if you didn't use that wisdom the best way last time, if you come to him in faith, if you come to him in confidence, believing he can make it differently, he will still pour out that wisdom on you regardless of how you did it last time. And we have God as this beautiful source of our wisdom. And when we go to him as our source for wisdom, it means that what it says about you is that you are trusting him to be faithful in your circumstance. It means you believe that he is able to help you in your circumstance. And it means that you believe that he can change your circumstance. It means that he, you believe he can bring you out of the other side. Now, I would just say, you're like, so go to God in wisdom. What does that mean exactly? I, I would say it's a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different avenues that God produces and gives wisdom in our lives. One of the first ones I would say is he places people around you to give you wisdom. Now, not just anybody Right? Like, I wouldn't recommend, like, there's some people that you shouldn't go to for wisdom, but I would recommend um, strong believers maybe have a few years on this earth and have walked through some difficult seasons of lives themselves, maybe have gone through some similar things that you have gone through. I would recommend going to, if you're in a community group here at the river, that's a great place to go to for wisdom. People who have been walking through life with you, who know you well, who can speak into your life well and that you trust can get that wisdom from God for you. So that's one way I believe God gives us wisdom. Another way I believe is through past experience. You look back on some things that you've done and you go, I wish I'd done that differently or I did it that way and God was really faithful. God really honored that. I would say, let God help you learn from your history. Another way I believe that God gives us wisdom is through the scriptures, right? That's why we teach out of them every week because we believe our Holy Spirit and, you know, uh, and from Jesus, right? Let God talk to you about what you're dealing with, what you're walking through in his word. Sometimes in a difficult season, maybe we're discouraged and down and the only thing you can go to is read the Psalms and be encouraged by the Psalms, right? There's a, a ton of wisdom in that. And then finally, I would say God gives us wisdom through, and these, this isn't a total list, but I would say another way God does this is through his Holy Spirit. 
through going to him in prayer, talking to him, asking, to asking him for guidance. I believe he'll do that for you, right? I believe he'll encourage your spirit when you do that. And just as a, as a caveat, sometimes people think some things are the Holy Spirit that ain't. <laughs> I don't know if that's correct English. Ain't the Holy Spirit, right? Right. And what that, I'll just say this is what, what the Holy Spirit tells you will never go against what the scripture tells you. So if you feel like God's telling you to do something, weigh it against scripture before you act on it. But in times of trial, God says, come to me, ask me for wisdom. I will give it to you. I will give it to you generously. And even if you screwed this whole thing up last time, (laughs) I will still be faithful. I will still be faithful, right? And he says, and as you do that, ask in faith. And James kind of hurts our feelings a little bit here because he says, if you're going to go to God and ask, ask him for wisdom, you better believe he can do something about it. You better, you better ask in faith. And he uses that imagery of the boat that's tossed to and fro in the wind and the storm. He says, don't be the unstable one. Don't be, don't be that boat that's all over the place. Don't be that person that's all over the place believing and then not believing and believing and not believing. Be stable. If you go to Jesus, believe that he can do it. And he's not saying that you can't have doubts in your faith. He's not saying that you can't sometimes have struggles in your faith. I mean, we see it all throughout the scriptures. Um, I mean, specifically, I talk about the Psalms, specifically in the Psalms, we see David struggling with his faith oftentimes. And so it's not to say you can never have intellectual doubts or questions, but he is saying, don't be a double-minded man. Don't be unstable in your belief when you come to him for these things, right? And we know people in our lives whose, whose lives are marked by this unstableness, don't we? People that you can't necessarily trust, they're going to follow through or they're kind of all over the place. Emotionally, they let their emotions run them. They're up and down, up and down, all over the place. And James is essentially saying, when you come to God, don't be like that, right? Because those people, that unstableness doesn't just mark their faith. It marks every area of their life, if we are honest. And so James says, trust in God. Believe that he can do it. Don't go back and forth. Be steadfast. Be confident in God and his ability and then walk forward. Sometimes when we go through trials, sometimes when we face difficult situations, the only thing we know to do is just just keep going forward. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's slow and sometimes it seems like you're walking in molasses, but sometimes the only thing you can do is keep going to God for wisdom, keep trusting in God to be faithful and keep walking forward. And James says when we do that, verse 12, I'm going to skip down. He says, and when we do that, a man who endures trials is blessed because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, I like the sound of that, and I like the promise of that. And so James speaks to us, and he says, when you face adversity, change your state of mind. Change your state of mind. Change the way you tell the story what this is going to do in your life. Change the way you attack it. Go to God for wisdom. Use the resources that he has put in your life. And hear me, not just to get the trial with over as soon as possible, because oftentimes that we, that's what we want to do. We just want to get it over with, just get it behind us. But not so that you can get it over with as soon as possible, but so that you can utilize it to let God grow you and transform you, right? Um, this last week, I know this is kind of a weird illustration, but this last week I watched this documentary on this guy named Steve Aoki. Um, if you know who he is, you're like, what is Mike talking about? Where is this going? He's a, he's a DJ in electronic dance music. And so he's kind of, he's crazy, man. He's, he's awesome. Um, but anyways, um, and I'm not necessarily recommending the documentary. So don't be like, well, Mike said, watch this. What? What? You know? Um, but anyways, I was watching it for research purposes for my sermons. Um, 
And uh, anyways, the thing that caught me about this guy um, is is his absolutely insane work schedule. I mean, he is he is nuts. He's the son of the founder of Benihana, if you know what that is. And so he was always trying to to meet his father's expectations. His father was like this giant in his life, and so he basically, even after his dad died, he's trying to he's trying to prove something to his dad. And that's kind of besides the point. But what caught me about this guy was his absolutely just insane work schedule. Like he was, they were going over his schedule and in like a time period of three days, he was in like three or four different countries. Um, do it. He did like, like multiple shows a day and like he did two shows in one day in two different countries. That's amazing. You know, like did that. And then on top of that, he did like a 10 hour video shoot. Like it was crazy. He did, they said he did 300 shows in a period of 365 days worldwide. You think about what, like the traveling and like, like basically he was sleeping on like three hours a day. And so I'm, I'm hearing this. And I'm like, this is insane. How do you, how do you keep that up? How do you keep going? How do you have that schedule? Like, how do you have that endurance? And as I was thinking about, it, especially in light of this, so I watched that at the same time I'm studying this. And what I began to realize is that that's something that didn't happen out of the gate. He didn't jump up and go do 300 shows in 365 days, right? I'm not even recommend doing something like that. I'm just saying he didn't do that. He didn't have that insane schedule out of the gate. Over time, that endurance grew. And over time, that ability to work harder, to keep going, to, to not sleep, you know, developed and developed and grew. And, and he was able over time to do this. And I know it may be a weird analogy, but as I was thinking about that story in light of our faith, in your faith, you will be tested. In your faith, faith, you will face trials. And if you deal with them the right way, if you address them the right way, I believe that God will use them as an opportunity to grow you and to stretch you and to expand your faith, to expand your reliance on God. And that in years to come, just like I'm looking at this guy, Steve Aoki, and going, how in the world? I believe in years to come, you will look back at your life and you will go, I cannot believe I was able to do that. I cannot believe God was able to do that in my life. I cannot believe God has brought me this far. Like I think about that even in my own little story of the River Church, like where we were three years ago or two years ago when we set out to plant the river and looking at it and just the thoughts I had about my dreams that I had for the river, like God has through testing and through fire and through trials, God has expanded my even belief in what he can do through our church, through this church. And that didn't happen because everything was easy and smooth and just worked out the way I wanted it all the time. As a matter of fact, it was through some very difficult things. God has expanded my, me and grown me and, and I'm looking back and I'm going, like, I can't believe we did that. I can't, I can't wait to see what God's going to do next, you know? And so because God has tested me in this church, he's grown me and grown my reliance on him. And, and I look back on it, I just want that to always be my story. You know what I mean? Like, I want that to be every time I walk through trials and difficult situations, I want that to be my story that God grew me and God transformed me and God expanded my faith and God expanded my belief in him that he grew that endurance in me, that I'm able to um, walk through uh, things with that, just, just that, that strength and adversity that he talks about in James. I want that to be my story. I want that to be your story. More than anything, I want that to be your story. And so in trials, let's change our state of mind. 
Let's change how we tell the story. This is something God can use to grow you for the better, for your good, for your relationship with him, and then go to him in wisdom and action. Go to him. Let him be the one that you lean on. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but thank you for trials in our lives, God. I pray that you will use them. I mean, we know that you will, God. I pray that we address them the right way. I pray that we face them the right way, God. And I pray that that that, that chapter, that James chapter one, where you talk about what adversity and trials do in our lives, God, I pray that that would be our story here at the River Church that our story would be about how you grew us and you used us and we look back on our lives and we're going, man, that is amazing what God did. That is amazing how God grew. I can't, I can't believe, I did that stupid trust fall and I cannot believe he caught me. <laughs> God, let that be our story. In Christ's name we pray, amen.